This is Ari Koretsky, and welcome to Jews You Should Know, introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so, but each is a Jew you should know. And we are back with another fabulous episode of Jews You Should Know. As you must know by now, dailygiving.org is a fabulous institution bringing together thousands of donors, individuals, just like you and me from around the world, $1 a day each, creating this incredible sense of community, a sense of shared responsibility and shared agency for so many wonderful causes. Over 8,000 people a day are doing this, and you can sign up in two minutes. The click of a couple buttons, you become a Daily Giving member, and you'll start enjoying the inflow of emails to your inbox on a daily basis, sharing what cause, what organization is the lucky beneficiary that day, which means which population of those in need are you helping on every single individual day. Dailygiving.org. Meanwhile, I am sure that most of my listeners have never met anyone quite like Barry Shore. Barry or Ephraim Shore is the so-called ambassador of joy, and you will hear that blasting through quite saliently in our conversation. It's almost overwhelming speaking to Barry, but as you do so for a longer period of time, you realize that he's entirely authentic and he brandishes the credentials to really be a purveyor of happiness. Although at first it may sound as such, he really is not coming from a Pollyannish place of naivete. And as you'll hear without spoiling it, He's been through some profound tribulations in his life and nevertheless projects this incredible disposition. So I'm very excited for you to meet and learn from Barry today. Meanwhile, a reminder is always to follow us on social media at Jews You Should Know. Spell that fully on Instagram and Facebook. Jews You Should Know with the letter U on Twitter. Comments, questions to Jews You Should Know at gmail.com. Subscribe or follow wherever you may be listening. If you're on Apple, that would be in the upper right-hand corner. Click the little plus sign and follow. Spread the podcast to your friends and family. And now to our conversation with Ambassador of Joy, Barry Shore. We are here with Barry Shore, the Ambassador of Joy. <laughs> How are you, Barry? Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved immortal beings and good-looking people. Now, wonderful Rabbi or Ari Koretsky. How can I make the claim, the categorical claim, that all the thousands of people that are listening and watching are all good-looking? Because by definition, if they tuned in consciously and conscientiously to listen to our conversation together, it means they're always looking for and finding the good. That's a good-looking person. Looking for and finding the good is the essence of the Jewish soul. Looking for and finding the good. Thank you for inviting me today. <laughs> Thank you, Barry, for joining. And uh, you're definitely, I think, going to be one of our more unique guests. And uh, you definitely have a, an amazing and, and joyful spirit that I'm excited to look uh, to learn all about. But meanwhile, talk about looking for the good, but let's start by looking back to the very beginning, a couple years ago, 10, 15, 30 years ago, to when you were growing up. Uh, tell us a little bit about how it all started. Well, I'm happy to say it all started, of course, when I came out of my mother's womb, and there was applause from everybody except for one person, my father. 
He was crying. Why? Because he wanted a girl. I'm a firstborn boy in a Jewish family. You think I fulfilled? I was almost like a doctor coming out. And he wanted a girl. Okay. But he, he was happy eventually that I, I was here. And I'm happy to say I had a, an idyllic childhood, uh, a wonderful teenage years with all, of course, the all the usual teenage angst and doing things that were against whatever my parents said and wanted to do. Uh, I loved being Jewish when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, I wanted to be a rabbi, wonderful rabbi Ari. I wanted to be, you know why? So I grew up in a conservative shul, uh, Temple Beth Zion in a place called Brookline, Massachusetts. Anybody come from Massachusetts, Brookline, you'll say, yay, hello. Brookline, Massachusetts, a wonderful place to grow up. So I wanted to be a rabbi because I saw three things. Number one, the rabbi had a study that was filled with books and a great desk and everything. I said, wow, what a great place to be, <laughs> a study. Okay, that's one thing. Second thing was he got a house. Part of his rabbinic pay was he gave this great house that wasn't far from the shore. I said, Woo, what a gig. And he got a car. I said, well, who wouldn't want to be a rabbi? You get a car, you get a house, you get a study, you get to talk to people, you have Onik Shabbat on Friday night, all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, I realized the reality of being a rabbi in a synagogue. You have to deal with people. <laughs> and I said, no, thank you. I'm going to do other things. Okay. So I did. <laughs> uh, were they very active in the Jewish community? Did they go to the temple frequently or what was the... Uh... Now, what was their actual engagement level? So active in the Jewish community. It's very interesting you uh, raise it like that. So when I was growing up, look, people can look at it right now. And if you're not watching it, you're missing out on something. But if you're watching, you'll see that I'm older than Rabbi Ari. So I have a white beard. I don't have a lot of hair on top of my head. Chronologically, I'm 72. Metabolically, I'm 46. Got some I swim two miles a day, six days a week. Mental acuity is 28 because I work with a lot of 28-year-olds in the internet world and e-commerce and such. And my SOW is eight. So you might say, SOW, what are you talking about? My sense of wonder. I'm an eight-year-old. My I'm childlike, not childish. So as long as you keep your sense of wonder between six and nine, you're doing well in life. So when I was growing up, there was no such thing that I ever heard of called Kiruv, outreach, involvement, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, the, the gig was you went to Hebrew school either two times a week, three times a week, or one time a week Sunday if you went to a, a reformed synagogue. And then, of course, right after bar, bat mitzvah, then you you never knew that Judaism existed other than once a year to go for a, a, a Seder and maybe once a year to go to a high holy day service. But that was kind of dull and boring. Who would ever want to do that? And so most Jews had very little uh, experience with the Jewish community, per se, because it wasn't a real Jewish community that was vibrant, active. What you're doing today, wonderful Rabbi Ari, the ability to go on a campus and to touch people's lives, Jewish or non-Jewish, because we our message resonates with every human being in the world. This is very important to understand. The message of the Jew is not confined to the Jew. The message of the Jew is to touch every human being in the world, to make them aware that they are a blessing, not just being blessed. As we just learned with Avraham Avinu, we're talking about Abraham, the, the forefather of the whole movement called Believing in God. And even in today's world, look, we have just now the, what they call the Abraham Accords. 
Muslims and Jews, 1.1 or 2 billion Muslims, and not even a rounding error when it turns the number of Jews in the world, but it's called the Abraham Accords. Why? Because Muslims, Christians, Jews all recognize that Abraham brought to the world a unique aspect of life, and that is the ability to be a blessing, not just be blessed. You're blessed. You have a home. You have a family. You have things that people say are good to have. That's Those are wonderful things. That's being blessed. The ability to be a blessing, to be a conduit of good, what I call a cog, a channel of goodness, a child of God, that is the essence of the Jew. So when I was growing up, you never heard of that stuff. Didn't exist. Thank God comes along people like Rabbi Noah Weinberg, you have Asha Torah, you had uh, Ursa Meach, and dozens and dozens and dozens of other organizations like Mayor doing those things which are absolutely necessary, which is to kindle a fire in the soul of a human being. Because that's what you do. You're a flame keeper, wonderful Rabbi Ari. You are literally a match that goes around and ignites the souls of human beings because the soul is the essence of the human. Everybody, even in college, you get to recognize that the physical alone is hardly the reason we're here on earth. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you. So you, you had this kind of very, I would say, typical sort of American Jewish upbringing and you went to Hebrew school and you, you know, had your, uh, misguided belief in in the uh, the ease of the the rabbinate and uh sort of going through that now once you maybe matured beyond those early impressions what did you want to do with yourself and and where did your life take you as you moved through your teenage years and into college well what i wanted to do with myself was uh, discover myself <laughs> i mean that's the essence of the jew and that's the essence of the human being is to discover oneself so I went on a journey, what I call JOY. JOY is a wonderful acronym that stands for Journey of You. That's what JOY stands for. See, I work with what's called the three fundamentals of life. The three fundamentals are, number one, life, your life has purpose. Once you recognize your life has purpose, you can go MAD. Now, MAD, in this case, is a great acronym that stands for Make a Difference. You want to lead a purpose-driven life, you're going to make a difference in the world. And the third fundamental is to uncover and unlock the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms. Simple example uh, we're doing right now. This is being carried over the internet. So anybody everywhere in the world can be able to access this, right? It's not just confined to Parkville or College Town, uh, Maryland. That's a gene. magical, mystical, mythical platform. So when you ask anybody, what does WWW stand for? And very it has to do with the internet. And factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, Ari, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, WWW stands for what a wonderful world. And what <laughs> is a word. So whenever anybody from now forward ever sees WWW, you're going to say, what did that fellow say on Rabbi Ari's show? What a wonderful world. And with a smile on your face. Now, smile, by the way, is also one of the greatest acronyms that you could ever utilize, internalize, and leverage in life. Because smile, let me just hold this up. This is a card which you're going to be handing out on campus, by the way. See what it says there? S-M-I-L-E. But it stands for... Seeing 
miracles, miracles and life every day. Life every day. The ability to see miracles in life every day is the key to living successfully. Like I'll tell you a quick story. My eight-year-old niece comes over to me a few weeks ago. She says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile, S-M-I-E-L? And I thought about it. Smile? It sounds the same. I asked her, how come? Why not? Why wouldn't do that? She says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, an eight-year-old. What was she doing? She was creating the kind of world she wants to live in. And CREATE is a wonderful acronym that stands for causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. Thank God you have a brain. Our brains have 100 billion brain cells. They have 120 trillion synapses connecting all their brain cells. And they're more to just decide what kind of latte you want this morning. To be able to use your brain to make a difference in the world by the fact that you are living and you're here, you're living exuberantly. I want to tell a quick story. May I do that, Ari? Please. I want people to get a sense of a background also. Imagine the following. One of the reasons Ari wanted me on the show was in addition to the fact of my uh, good looks and my ability to speak well and, and have fun things to say is because of uh, a unique story. So imagine the following. Standing up in the morning, hale and hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound, and that night be in the hospital totally, completely paralyzed. And it was not for an automobile accident. It was not a spinal injury, a rare disease, which I never heard of the day before, took over my body and rendered me a quadriplegic. Nothing on my body moved. Nothing. 144 days in the hospital. I was in a hospital bed in my own home for two years. I couldn't turn over by myself. Four years in a wheelchair. I had braces on both my legs, my hips to my ankles. And that was progress. Thank God today I'm able to be vertical and ambulatory with the help of a seven-foot walking wand. So I'm a triped. I'm not a biped. And I still can't walk up a stair by myself. I can't walk up a curb by myself. And I have helped 12 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> but you hear my voice, positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. And all because of this one word. The word again, smile, seeing miracles in life every day. The ability for me now to be able to sit up and put my feet over the side of the bed for years, for years, all I could do was imagine that, was visualize that, to be able to sit up and put my feet over the side of the bed. I didn't say run, jump, and skip and do all those other things. The ability to do that, that is what motivates me to be able to share the story. And thank God I'm so honored that you asked me to come here today, Rabbi Ari, to share it with people because life is full of surprises. And when you live in a purpose-driven life and you make a difference in the world, there's nothing, nothing that will ever stop you. I'm living proof. From quadriplegic, I'm now a long-distance swimmer, but we'll talk about that a little later. So how, how old were you when this disease set in, and what was going on in your life at the time? So thank God I had a storybook existence. <laughs> I, had, I was um, happily married at that time, 27 years. Now, thank God, it's 44 years. Actually, we're in our 45th year. Same woman, same life, <laughs> still loves me. I have a, a wonderful son who's now 34, married to a fabulous woman, uh, Shoshana, and together they have two wonderful sons. Uh, Moshe Noam is four and a half, and, and Ben Sion is a year and a half. Uh, but the time, thank God, had a wife, a son, 
And I had been able to build businesses. I had been blessed to have two multi-million dollar exits from businesses that I built on the internet. Uh, I hold, I was issued three U.S. patents. And so I had been an entrepreneur since I was 11 years old. Hear that? 11 years old. Actually, I started in Brookline, Massachusetts, where it snows, it's cold. And we used to have things called no snow days when it got cold. And it was great because you heard about it over the radio. Radio? Yeah, radio. <laughs> they know snow school today. Say, wonderful. You know why? Because I could go out and knock on doors on my street and make money shoveling snow. So we we loved it. It was great. And I became an entrepreneur because I learned that you knock on somebody's door, you offer to clean their driveway and their stairs, you negotiate for a price. And then I had 10, 12, 15 accounts. I couldn't do 15 accounts. So I went to two or three friends, depending how many accounts I had, and I gave them some of the jobs. So if I was getting paid $12, I paid them $8. They were happy. They didn't have to do anything except show up, shovel. So I was able to make an override on what they did. I went out and made the business. I shoveled some for $12 and made more money. Everybody was happy. So I learned the essence of business. The essence of business is the following, Rabbi Ari. Business is spelled B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S, right? Business. But notice that the U comes before the I in business. When you are here to serve and you recognize that business is built on service, then the I gets everything that it wants. If you switch it around, yeah, you may make money, you may do things, but that's a hustle. What you really want to do is understand that you're here to serve. Service is the greatest possible blessing in the world. And you're a perfect example. You and wonderful Malka, the way you do things on campus by reaching out, you're there to serve. And you have Shabbat meals. You have learning. I mean, you're sharing the things that make a difference in your life, which are not things. The greatest things in life are not things. <laughs> right? The greatest ability in life is to touch another human. In other words, the you before the I. And that's so, I, I'm very happy to say I was doing very well in business, literally. I was, every, but everybody wants, I had, and then in the morning, hale and hearty, in the evening, paralyzed, totally, completely. And this was in your 20s? Oh, no, this happened... Uh, 17 years ago, 18 years uh, ago, 55. Now, it happened to be at the age of 24, something else happened to me. But since you're bringing it up, I'm going to talk about it. I had been blessed with another situation at the age of 24. Uh, it was 1972. My sister had just gotten married three weeks before, and I had just come back to the United States. I was I had been living overseas. As I said, I have a very eclectic, wonderful life, a lot of background. I dropped out of college. I don't recommend this for everybody. I might recommend it for a few people. I don't recommend it for everybody. So I left university in my third year, ostensibly to go overseas to do a year abroad. You know that kind of stuff? Well, I stayed away for three years, maybe four years. Yeah, four years, five years, actually. Because <laughs> um, I, I I went overseas to uh, Europe, specifically to Amsterdam. I enrolled in classes in a place called the Fry University. But essentially, I was not there. I was just 
theater, fool around and have fun, and or what I considered to have fun in those days, and do whatever I wanted to do. Well, it turns out that um, I, I was living in a commune in Amsterdam, and I'm telling you, this is this is stuff out of a out of a novel. It was just it was so wonderful, uh, and the way we learned how to eat is because we would go to the flea markets in Amsterdam and buy old rugs that were spotted and ruined and such that, fix them up, cut out some pieces, and we made uh, carpet pillows and bags and hats and just stuff. And we sold them there, made money, and we ate and had fun, traveled all around. I had a VW bus, traveled all around Europe. I mean, I was living a life that people dream about. Okay, then I decided I'm going to go back to the United States and I brought back an entire container of uh, rugs, you know, these fancy rug, Belgian rugs, that were all messed up and things like that. Brought them back to the United States and started, I opened up a store in Boston. Now, anybody here from Boston, but there's a place called Newbury Street on Boston. Now, Newbury Street is like the Rodeo Drive of Boston or Fifth Avenue. I mean, it's just great street. I opened up a little boutique. And my boutique was so successful. They wrote me up in Boston Magazine, all kinds of things like that, because we made hats and bags and pillows out of carpets and rugs. And people like Cheech and Chong came into the store and bought stuff. It was it was a big gig. So I was asked to go to a um, what do they call it? a boutique show in New York. Well, we signed up. We went because I was going to sell all over the country. On the way to the boutique show. Um, it was a multi Shabbat, Saturday night, about midnight or so. We're driving from Boston into New York, and we're on the New York Thruway at a place called Westchester County. And somebody fell asleep at the wheel of their car, Ari. And it, he was driving a big Buick. I was in a Volkswagen Beetle without a seatbelt in those days. It's 1972. Hello. And he fell asleep at the wheel of his car, and the median was very not a big barrier. And he jumped over the median. The car hit my VW Beetle head on. So they didn't know. I saw pictures of it afterwards. They said it's impossible anybody lived. But I did. I never lost consciousness, actually, until they got me to the hospital. But suffice it to say that my my femur, for those who were in college, you know, in the medical school, pre-med or whatever, the femur is the, uh, the thigh bone, the hardest bone in the body to break. It was smashed in many places. I was, thank God, in Westchester County, which is a very affluent place. And the doctors there operated immediately, and they used some new technology to put metal plates into my body outside of the bones, not in, not pins in the bone, and to stabilize, I had 16-inch uh, long metal plates, two of them with 10 screws in each plate. It was, and uh, the amazing thing is, I'm still talking about it, I had glass in my face, they were picking it out for days, you still, you can't see any scars, I had one small one, but suffice it to say, over the next three years, I was in physical therapy, but it was physical, mental, and spiritual therapy. Because everything I did, whether it was yoga or learning a little bit more about Judaism and returning and becoming far more aware of both my physical body, of course, because I'm basically unable to move a bit, and the spiritual aspect of my body, that was my first traumatic experience dealing with, well, what do you do now? Now that you're laying in bed for months at a time, 
barely able to move. And over the next couple of years, had two other surgeries, one to remove some plates and some screws and another to move plates. But in the meantime, wonderful Ari, I met some of the most remarkable human beings that ever walked the earth. People in Chabad, in the local, in Brookline, Massachusetts, the Boston Rebbe, who people may or may not have heard of, Rabbi Soloveitchik, the Rav, um, the Feuersteins, I mean, just regular people who reached out and touched my very soul. Again, much like you and Malka do. The ability, <laughs> I am so happy to be speaking with you. Because what you do on campus is not just, oh, yeah, that's Rabbi Ari over there. You're not just you with the beaming face and the beautiful personality that is literally pouring forth love to other people. It enables people to live life to the full. If you're here, you have an obligation to live exuberantly, not just to be alive, to live exuberantly. You never know what's going to happen in the next moment. Make sure that you're in touch with your body and your soul. And that's what you do at Mayor. Mayor means to enlighten. That's who you are, right? Certainly trying. <laughs> well, you know, not only try, you're succeeding. People I've spoken to, they understand. Look, I went on the site. I, I really love this, this, this program that you're working with, Kindness. Because we have one of the cards that we have, we have an entire series of inspirational cards. Um, some, one of them is called the Keep Smiling card, just as an example. So this Keep Smiling card, whether you can see it or you're only listening, we have shared this Keep Smiling card with more than two and a half million people around the world for free. And it comes in 27 different languages. So the ability to have these cards, one of the cards reads, everyone. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. You turn the card over and it reads, be kind always. Kindness is one of the most important aspects of the human condition. And what you're doing with enabling people to recognize it and be conscious of it and conscientiously practice it, because that's the essence of Judaism. It's the foundational principle. By the way, kind stands for keep inspiring noble deeds. That's the acronym for kind. Keep inspiring noble deeds. So it's not just Rabbi Ari being kind. It's one Jew reaching out to another, reaching out to another, reaching out to another. And we touch Jews all over the world. You have no idea what your kindness does for another person. And it can be, by the way, a simple smile. A thank you. A hello. Did I tell you today how much I appreciate you? That's kindness. Right, Ari? 100%. 100%. So you had this uh, difficult early situation. And did that spark a journey with respect to your Judaism? I am sure, as a listener, you are familiar with The Forward, the long-standing Jewish publication. Well, The Forward has a new podcast called A Bintel Brief, based on the long-standing advice column in the paper. It is now turned into an audio advice column where you could get interesting answers to fascinating questions from Gina Green, who is a movement builder, very active in the Jews of Color initiative, as well as Lynn Harris, 
a writer and activist, also a comedian, and a former advice columnist for Glamour and other print magazines of blessed memory. A Bintel Brief, B-I-N-T-E-L, is the word Bintel Brief. Give it a listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Oh, absolutely. My return to Judaism. Remember I told you, I grew up, I love being Jewish. (laughs) Because I thought Jewish is all about having fun and going to shul and enjoying yourself, et cetera, et cetera. And it was. I didn't know anything about halakha and doing this and that. Yeah, so now when I'm in this process where physically I am in a difficult position. Now I'm getting more in touch with my spiritual and I'm meeting people that I never knew existed. I'll just tell you a quick story. So I live in a place on, in Brookline on a street, uh, wonderful street. One end of the street was the high school, Brookline High School. And the other end of the street was the main street called Beacon Street. Uh, the Boston Rebbe was at the bottom, at, the, at that corner. I never knew he existed. Now the Boston Rebbe is world famous. He's passed on, but his dynasty continues. What he did in the world is is hard to comprehend. And again, Rabbi Soloveitchik and his son-in-law, Rabbi Tversky, lived right behind where my parents lived. I never knew they existed. Parallel universes. And once my eyes became open, again, much like what you're doing, Rabbi Ari, on campus, once somebody's eyes are open and their heart is opened, the beauty of expanded consciousness, it doesn't go back to where it was. You will literally become that which you need to be. You see, the whole thing of this discussion today is not that, hey, Barry Shaw, interesting guy, quite a story. Rabbi Ari, I love him. But it's not about Barry Shaw or, ba- or Fry, I'm sure, is my real name, or Rabbi Ari or Malka. It's about you. Why owe you? This show is only about you. He's doing this because he cares about you. Why owe you? Because when you're the best you, you make the world a better place. You build more bridges of harmony. You create more joy, happiness, peace, and love in the world. So this real this show is all about you. When it says Jews, you should know, that Jew that you want that you should know is you. When you become you, get in touch with you, and guess what? You literally change the entire world. We're only waiting for you to become you. That's all. And that's what joy stands for, remember. Journey of you. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So this is, you had this early, uh, this accident early on, and and that really, I guess, sparked a journey of returning to more traditional Judaism. Um, yeah, I'm curious, you, you have this exuberant personality and this wonderful attitude now. Did you always, was that natural to you? Is that your, is that sort of your... Uh, your natural predisposition, or um, is that something that developed in tandem with your religious odyssey? So I'm happy to tell everybody that uh, it is my uh, default position. <laughs> but I got to tell you why. It's really important to understand the why of everything. Uh, anybody wants to watch some truly inspiring YouTube. It's the um, What Is Your Why by Simon Sinek, Sinek S-I-N-E-K. Learn about your why. And this, it, talking about business, but it re- relates to everything. Again, my business, you before the I. So I am blessed to tell you that I had wonderful parents. I have two fabulous siblings, both younger than myself, girls, 
girls, <laughs> older women these days, and they have, thank God, children and grandchildren. Uh, my mother, <clears throat> Frances Ida Goldstein Shore, was one of the more remarkable human beings I've ever met in my life. My father also was an interesting guy, but my mother was remarkable because of the following. She was born with a red wine stain over three quarters of her face, and it was pockmarked. So let's go back in time. I'm 72. So let's go back 100 plus years ago. Now, bullying in schools or poking fun at people, it's frowned upon in today's world, right? At schools and things like that. But 100 years ago, okay, nobody likes bullying, but hey, kids were kids. Can you imagine my mother growing up with that red wine stain? No, it's pretty hard. And yet, it wasn't that she got through it she must have used it as a jumping off point to live in joy. So later in life, my uh, sisters and I, we met some of her friends that she had gone to high school with. And they said, oh yeah, this is how Faggy is. This that was her nickname. This is Faggy. What do you want? She is buoyant. She's ebullient. She's loving. She's bountiful. And it wasn't that she was saying, oh, poor me, or I'll get through it. No. It was her inner being that somehow came through. So I'm going to give you a story of, of how this came into touch real people. So again, my mother is uh, quite the person, quite the personality. And near our house was a, a market called the Star Market. Now, anybody who goes up in Boston knows that it's really not the Star Market. It's the Star Market. Okay. Star Market. <laughs> Down the corner. And inside that there was something called a courtesy booth. Now, it used to be in old times that uh, stores had something called a complaint department. But somebody got smart and realized complaint department was dumb. So they started calling them courtesy booths. So in the store, there was a courtesy booth that just opened up. Store manager went over to my mother one day and, and, and went over and said, Mr. Shore, would you consider working in the courtesy booth? You, we think you'd be perfect. So she came home, we had a family meeting. We said, yeah, yeah, do it, mom, wow. My mother's working in the courtesy booth at the store, at the Star Market, because everybody went there, shopped there. Okay, so she said, yes. And we thank God we didn't need the money, but she said, you know, I have the time, we'll do it. So she did it for first two hours a day, and then three, then four, and did it six days a week or five days a week. But she was a hit, how much so? that she became the model for the entire chain. In those days, there were 12 stores in the chain. And when she left about seven or eight years later, they had a big dinner in her honor. And we met the president of the chain. It was a beautiful Italian family uh, that they had come to our house a couple of times because they were just so enamored with my mother. <laughs> so they gave her this big banquet. Uh, they gave her a big check and a, a carved Steuben bowl, Steuben glass, S-T-E-U-B-E-N, Steuben glass was a big thing, beautiful carved bowl and speeches about how she increased the bottom line at the supermarkets by somewhere around one and a half, two and a half percent every year that she was there, which in the, in the food business is big deal. That's a big deal. I mean, she was getting paid whenever she was getting paid peanuts compared to what they made. But it was a big deal because she was the model for the courtesy booth, but that was my mother. So how could I not find a mechanism that channeled my mother? <laughs> and I did it. I mean, it was just, 
it was amazing. And my sister's also very much like that, maybe a little less so. But yes, I thank God was the inheritor of a great Yerusha, as we call it, a great inheritance. And that was to be able to see the world and to see miracles in life every day. Imagine seeing miracles in life every day. What a wonderful way to live. Literally living in kindness. My mother taught us all something very wonderful. And by the way, I'd like to talk about dog poop before we finish. Critical. Absolutely. I was, I was hoping you would say that because I, I, yes. was, I was worried that we would get through this whole interview we'd go, without we'd covering right. that vital topic. Okay, so we're going to talk about dog poop. But, <laughs> uh, so my, my mother taught us that the, the key to really living successfully is to make sure that consciously and conscientiously, she used to say this consciously, I added conscientiously, consciously and conscientiously say the two most powerful words in the English language three times a day. And these two words are, drum roll, fanfare, da-da, da-da. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because thanks stands for to harmonize and network kindness, to harmonize and network kindness. The Dalai Lama has been quoted as saying, I read in his writings, be kind whenever possible. And as he says, it's always possible. Uh-huh. <laughs> so imagine, let's go back. Let's say, forget COVID. The masquerade is over. It's, forget it. You go back into a coffee shop and you order your fancy latte and you sit down. So he brings it to you. What do you say? Thank you. You go to the coffee shop, you order a fancy latte, you sit down a few minutes ago, I know what he brings you these. You go to the counter, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot, we're so busy, we'll bring it to you, you can sit down, a couple more minutes go by, somebody brings you, you still say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, it's raining out. Somebody holds the door open for you, you say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, it's raining out, somebody slams the door on you, you say, thank you. How about <laughs> this, you're in traffic, you're late for an appointment, and somebody cuts you off. What do you say? Thank you. You get up in the middle of the night, you stub your toe and it hurts. You say, thank you to harmonize and network kindness. That's what my mother taught us. Kindness, keep inspiring noble deeds, which of course brings me to dog poop. Again, we work with acronyms. So dog poop is one of the most, if you remember nothing else, you're going to remember two things. Number one, WWW, what a wonderful world, and dog poop. What did that guy talk about? Dog poop? Dog poop. Because dog poop is one of the most important acronyms that we could use in today's environment to enable people to understand that it's all about one person making a difference. Because dog poop stands for doing of good, power of one person. Doing of good, power of one person. It's not just he's a rabbi or Malchus the Rebbitzin and such. You become that one person. You are the spark that enables somebody else. And it has, you may not do anything about teaching of Judaism. You don't teach him a text. Be you. <laughs> when you're smiling, when you're doing wonderful things, you're telling somebody, hey, I appreciate you. You know, what a, you're, that was great what you did today. Those processes of doing of good make all the difference. So it's one person reaching out to another, reaching out to another, reaching out. And then together we make that chain, which has been part of Judaism for, thank God, millennia. 
and will continue for millennia, for eternity. And even when the Mashiach comes, there'll be still the need for one person reaching out to another. It's the power of one person. That's dog poop. Love it. And since I, I happen to own a dog, I will uh, keep that in mind next time we are scooping up his uh, excrement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you say, wow, it's so wonderful. Well, Ari, you remember that great uh, story of uh, the Talmud Chacham was walking along with his students and they see a carcass of a dead cow. And as they're walking by, the kids or the Talmudim say, oh, that stench, you can't stand it. And what does the Rebbe say? Ah, but look how white the teeth are. In other words, you don't look at the stink. Look for the good. That's what a good-looking person is and does, always looking for the good. Are we in difficult times right now? Oh, hello. <laughs> Excuse me. Did the world go crazy, turned upside down Don't less than two years ago? Absolutely. Is the world in turmoil right now? Absolutely. But is there a way for us, each one of us, to get rid of the joy deficit and create a joy surplus without printing trillions of dollars? And the simple answer is yes. Yes. By learning these simple techniques, I'll give you, if I may, uh, two simple techniques that everybody can do. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, da -da -da -da. breathe. Breathe. Wait a minute. Of course I'm breathing. Barry Shore. I'm alive. I'm breathing. Well, there's two ways of breathing. There's a shallow breathing, which is going into your lungs and enables you to breathe and function. Okay. What we're talking about here, Rabbi Ari, is what we call deep diaphragmatic breathing. Now, even in college, most people can't spell diaphragm and they don't know where it is. So I just use the term tummy. So the ability to breathe in through your nose, into your tummy, and to do that consciously and lovingly, we call it a conscious loving breath, to be able to breathe in through your nose, deep into your tummy, and then out through your mouth, that takes about seven seconds. And if you do that four times in a row, consciously and conscientiously, in about 28 seconds, 30 seconds, you've gone from maybe a state of tension and such to a state of calm. You can literally get yourself into a place of calmness, which is the first step to being able to live life to the full. So breathing becomes very important. It's on my website. Uh, I'm sure you're going to tell people the website or you want me to say it now? You can say it now or anytime you'd like. Okay, www.whatawonderfulworld.barryshore.com is a free gift there that's worth $50. It's the beginning of the course and enjoy. It's really worth it. Uh, it takes you also go to my YouTube channel and you see this about the, the breathing because breathing deeply, consciously, lovingly makes a difference, especially if you're in university right now and all the tensions that go with that whether it's exams and such, but exacerbated by the COVID problem or the issue. So we need to make sure that by breathing deeply, diaphragmatic breathing, we can overcome that and get more calm and aware. That's number one. And number two, this one, you're certainly going to like because most of the people going to be listening to this are what I call kids, right? And a kid is anybody under 50. But most of them, most of the people listening will be under 25, 
maybe even under 20, <laughs> which is great. Okay, that is, da-da-da-da, skip. Did he say skip? Skip. Yeah, you all remember what skipping is, right? You did it when you were six, seven, eight, and you may even still do it now, but I'd like you to do it consciously and conscientiously. When you're walking along on campus or someplace else, just, you know, I'm going to skip for the next half block. Literally skip, that's it. You will find that when you skip, you can't skip without smiling and feeling better. And that is a process that enables you to get in touch with your real being. And now the better part is when you skip and you hold the hand of somebody else. And the better part is when you skip and you hold the right hand with one person and your left hand with another person. Because when you're skipping with two other people, you're now invigorating an entire universe. You're literally creating an energy that cannot be stopped. There is no such thing as the ending of energy that was done in a positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant manner. And skipping does that. So by breathing, conscious, loving breath, and by skipping, you will make a difference in the world. Again, this show is only about you. Why are you? We care most in the whole world about you. And it's the essence of the Jew. Say, what does the Jew do? Jews skip. How do you know that? Well, Barry Short says so. Okay, if you don't believe me, Rabbi Ari will teach you. In the Bible, it says someplace, skipping is good. And if it's not, he'll make it up and tell you. <laughs> so I, I want to ask, you know, um, two things. First of all, are there ever times that you feel called for the opposite of joy, you know, sadness, or how do you make space for other human emotions um, as a person who is generally disposed towards overflowing joy? So this is the question, of course, that I am asked on a regular basis, because is it possible to be in joy all the time? So here's a simple answer. You ready? Yes. However, joy is not some sort of bizarre grin on your face all the time. Say, oh, everything is wonderful. <laughs> Hello. There are times when things happen that you, make you distraught. God forbid somebody close to you passes away. Is that a call for sadness? Absolutely. Is there a time when the, the state of Israel is being attacked mercilessly and maliciously and malice of forethought and only to attack? Well, yes. But... Are you going to let those times, which do call for a potential sadness, allow that to change your entire worldview? No. And that's the difference. See, there's something called joy and something called happiness. So I want to explain to people what I call the, the unique distinction between excitement and enthusiasm. I think this might help answer. You ready? So excitement, we all think we know, but I'll give you a, an easy analogy. Imagine putting a pot of water on a stove, turning up the heat, and to a point where now the water is bubbling and boiling, right? So that's great. If you keep it up there, it's going to boil over. Now, what happens if you either remove the pot from the stove or you turn down the heat? So <laughs> water is naturally going to go down. It's not going to keep boiling, right? Because that's excitement. Excitement is two words. C-I-T-E means stimulus. And E-X means from the outside. Correct? Yeah. So excitement is stimulus from the outside. Yeah, you know, my team's going to play tonight. It's so exciting. It's wonderful. Oh, I got tickets for this. And oh, blah, 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 blah. That's excitement. 
Enthusiasm is something unique. Enthusiasm is inner because enthusiasm made up of also two words, T-H-U, the newest name of my newest uh, sister's grandchild. They call him Theo, but it's really T-H-U. T-H-U is the Greek word for God. And E-N means inner. You see, when God is inside of you, you think God gets sad? No, God is. I mean, can you tickle God? Yes. Can you make him cry? Well, possible, I guess, when he sees people doing things that are not in the best interest of them, not in his best interest. He's God. Not in your best interest. That may make him sad. So enthusiasm is inner. When you have enthusiasm and it stays inside of you, then there's nothing untoward in the world. Yes, are there going to be moments? Hello, when I became paralyzed overnight, Ari, do you think I was saying to my wife the next morning, I could barely speak, oh, everything is fine, I'll be okay. Duh, I'm paralyzed. I can't move. Who knows what's going to happen in life? I mean, right now, if you're watching, you see Barry Shrew moving his hands. He's speaking very nicely. I couldn't speak for months and months. I mean, barely above a whisper. I can't sit up from this chair right now. I have to push on the arms and such like that to stand up. Well, hello. But did I get upset? Did I get angry and bitter? No. You know why? Thank God I had been working on myself for decades. So I go around saying, gee, you know, this is great. I'm, I'm paralyzed. Hello, that's an idiot. So there's time for being subdued. And there's time for reveling. When it comes to Shabbos, you sing, you dance. Hello, it's Shabbos. I mean, it's Shabbos. It's not, oh, it's Shabbos, but I don't feel well. Well, that's a mood. You know what mood spelled backwards is, Rabbi Ari? <laughs> right. Doom! If you enable your mood to control you, then you're not recognizing that your essential essence is that you're a soul. You know, we have these interesting words we call self. There are two aspects to the self. May I tell people what they are? Please. Self, on the lower level, stands for seeking excitement, losing focus. You're constantly looking for the next thing, that shiny object that's going to enable you to feel better, better. Seeking excitement, you lose focus. You forget what's going on. The higher self is recognizing that you are a soul experiencing life fully. Experiencing life fully, there'll be times where it's less efficacious and times where it's more efficacious, right? Stuff happens in life. Hello? The question is what you do about it. Everybody, especially I think on college campuses today, because their people that you deal with are younger and have not been trained yet in the ability to really channel their energies and to recognize their greater self, is a lot of stress. Am I correct? There's a lot of distress in the country, distress in the world. There's stress in the college campus, there's stress in your own individual life. The way you approach stress, though, is the key to understanding it. So in the world of barrier for I am sure, stress is a great acronym. It stands for stomach turning reality. 
enabling self-sabotage. So I say it like this. I'm not talking to college kids. I say, ah, do you know what happened? I lost my job. We may lose the house. My cousin committed suicide. The kids are going crazy. Not in school. Country's falling apart. <laughs> Substitute anything you want in there for stress. Stomach-turning reality, enabling self-sabotage. But there's another way of understanding stress, and that is stomach-turning reality. Yes, all those things may be true. You may not be doing well in school. You may be flunking out. You can't concentrate. This one said this to you. This one said that to you. And all, all these things happening. Enabling self-success. The six most important words that anybody, anybody could ever utilize, internalize, and leverage in their lives are the following. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Choice not chance determines your destiny. How you choose to respond in any given situation will determine what's gonna happen for you. Stomach turning reality, it may be really tough. Excuse me, you can't get a lot tougher than paralyzed overnight, enabling self-success. How you choose to respond is the key to your life. Life stands for living inspirationally for eternity. Are you here to be a blessing? Are you here to live exuberantly? Are you here to be filled, fulfilled and become the best you possible because the world needs you? Are you here to love dog poop? Then go forth, live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, Happiness, peace, and love. Now, to tell people, how have you institutionalized these teachings? Uh, and I know you have a podcast and, and other uh, mechanisms for distributing this message. What have you done in terms of writing, in terms of media, in terms of programming to get this message out to the world? So, first of all, thank you again for enabling me to be with you today and to share. By the way, sharing stands for spreading happiness and rejuvenating energy. So all of these items, ideas are in my latest book titled The Joy of Living, How to Slay Stress and Be Happy. And in there I discuss the 11 strategies that I've been able to delineate and put into context through this process of being paralyzed. I mean, it's a great way of being able to focus one's attention. And as I said, thank God I'm able to be vertical and ambulatory. So I have this wonderful book. Thank God many thousands of people read it, love it, use it, because it's a book to be used, not just to be read. Matter of fact, the person who wrote the introduction to my book is the man who was the co-author of a book series called Chicken Soup for the Soul. You ever hear of that, Rabbi Ari? I sure have, yep. And I'm sure many people are listening have heard of it because it's the second largest title in print in the history of the world outside of the Bible. 500 million copies. So Jack Canfield, the author, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, wrote the introduction to my book because he feels it's that valuable. So there's 11 strategies for learning how to live, enjoy daily. Plus, we have some of the cards I showed you. Keep smiling, smile, 
Did I tell you today how much I appreciate? By the way, Rabbi Ari is getting a joy package. He's going to be distributing these cards on campus. So people are going to do that. Yes, we have a podcast. Yes, we have a free gift that is the the beginning of the short course, Enjoy. These are short videos which enable people to hear the message and to share and to be able to write down answers to questions about what it is that you're doing. So we're now, and plus I just joined hands with another amazing being. His name is Edwin Ederberry. He's the chief happiness officer of a movement called the Happiness Project. So uh, Edwin and I are called Joy and Happiness Join Hands. So thank God many places, everything from Oprah Winfrey to uh, Jack Canfield are picking up on the message because the world needs this today. It is so important that one person speaks to another person, speaks to another person, say, hey, yes, you can have joy, joy in your life. And that, again, joy stands for journey of you. We want you to be the best you possible, meaning you become the best you. That is what the world is all about. And by the way, the essential message of Judaism Judaism, not Judaism, by the way, Judaism is a study of Judy. I don't even know who Judy is. But Judaism is a study of Yahadus, of the oneness of God. And the essence of God is that when you were created with this remarkable thing called your soul, you were brought here for a purpose. And when you recognize your purpose, again, three fundamentals of life. Life has purpose. When you do that, you lead a purpose of life. You go mad. Mad stands for make a difference. And you do that by uncovering the secrets and the power of everyday words and terms like www, smile, or smile, S-M-I-E-L, as my eight-year-old niece says, create, thank you, dog poop, love, love stands for living on vibrant energy. All of these are available, most of them free, free, free on my website, my YouTube channel, the Instagram, wherever good things are available. And I guarantee, guarantee and when you use these techniques, these beautiful tools, and you work them into your very being, you'll be happier, healthier, and wealthier. And who doesn't want that? Barry, what's the best place for people to go to visit your uh, products and services? www.whatawonderfulworld.barryshore, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E. That's the website. That's the YouTube channel, the Instagram, we're everywhere. And the genius of it is that it's all for you. Why owe you? For you to become the best you. Because you do that, you make the world a better place. Fabulous. Barry Shore, the ambassador of joy. Thank you so much for joining us. I am humbled and honored, wonderful Rabbi Ari, to be here with you. And um, may I do something in front of these thousands of people. I'm going to give you a hug in front of thousands of people. I'll tell you what hug stands for. And then we'll leave everybody with a blessing. Okay? Let's do it. So the hug, hug stands for heartfelt, unlimited giving. Heartfelt, unlimited giving. One, two, three. Love it. <laughs> Go forth. Live exuberantly. Spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Barry Short, thank you so much for joining us. 
This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at JewsYouShouldKnow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at JewsYouShouldKnow. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash JewsYouShouldKnow. Finally, If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to Jews you should know.